Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective, and today we're looking at chapters 24, 25, and 26 of Allegiant. And where we left off, Four went out to the fringe with Nita, and Nita was like, don't tell Triss because you'll take away her free will or some bullshit like that. And she also said the big reveal, which was... Wars existed before we did genetic manipulation leading to genetically damaged people. So that means that genetically pure people aren't as pure as we think. And that's meant to be like a huge, big, like, whoa moment. But like, why did they think the genetic manipulation started in the first place if everyone was already perfect? That still doesn't make any sense to me, but we're just going to have to put up with that. So chapter 24 is Atris's POV chapter. She's in the dorm room. It's the next day, I believe. And she, okay, it starts out being really mundane. She says, Peter is across the room, gathering a stack of books into a pile and shoving them into a bag. Thrilling. He bites down on a red pen and carries the bag out of the room. Okay. I hear the books inside it smacking against his leg as he walks down the hallway. And that's it. We don't hear from Peter again in these next three chapters. So I don't know what the fuck the point of that was. Why did we need to hear about Peter putting some books in a bag? What is going on here, Tris? Why do you think we care about that? We don't care. And then she has a chat with Christina and she says, oh, I've been trying not to ask you, but I'm giving up. What's going on with you and Uriah? Because I think Christina and Uriah have had sexual tension or chemistry or something, but I've never heard about it. This is the first I'm hearing of it. And she acts like she's been caught up in this. She's like, oh, I've been trying not to prod. Oh, I've been thinking about it a lot though. I've never heard her mention it once. Apparently Uriah and Christina are flirting. Like that's all. And Uriah, I mean, he, he's mourning. He's a drunk. He's got a lot of issues going on. And Christina just says, I'm just spending time with him because he's having a hard go of it. You don't have to spin everything into like a flirtatious fantasy, Triss. But no, Triss presses on. She says, I've noticed you've been spending a lot of time together. Like a lot. Uh, yeah, because they're a group of five or six that have come from out of Chicago and now they're in a new place with all these new people. Of course, they're going to hang out with who they know. And who, who else is she going to hang out with? Is she going to hang out with your brother, the trader? She can't hang out with you and four because you guys are always off gallivanting, doing like espionage trips. She's not going to hang out with Peter, the other trader. So yeah, she's going to hang out with Uriatris. What? I've noticed you've been hanging out with the only other person you know and like here. It's like, oh, no shit. 
Also, they live in the same like dorm room. Why, when they're in a refurbished hotel, are they all sharing like a, a set up dorm in the middle of like the foyer? They've set out cot beds. And I'm like, this, is, this was a hotel. You told me it was the airport hotel. So there's rooms upstairs. Why can't they all each have their own room? Are there that many people in the bureau that we can't comfortably host these like six refugees? But no, they're sharing a dorm. Of course they're hanging out. Oh, I'm getting caught in the weeds. And Christina says, look, you might not believe me, but it's not like that. He's grieving. We're both bored. He's Uriah. And Tris is like, so he's good looking. What? Since when has Tris been matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match? She's never really cared about other people's relationships. She's been like laser focused on her own fucking issues. Now, all of a sudden she cares about Christina's dating life. And Christina says, yeah, he's good looking, but he can't have a serious conversation to save his life. Don't get me wrong. I like to laugh, but I also want a relationship to mean something, you know? So apparently Uriah is just like a a barrel of laughs, even though I, I think he's depressed and like seeking solace at the bottom of the bottle at the moment. Like he's sleeping with a flask under his pillow. But oh, okay, I don't, re- I don't really care about this Uriah character to be quite frank. And spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It does seem like Uriah might be dying at the end of <laughs> the next couple of chapters. We're headed that way. And so I just think Veronica Roth's been a little bit of a sneaky bitch to Christina because the last boyfriend Christina had, Tris murdered. And now we're getting a bit of an established relationship between her and Uriah only for him to then go and get killed later on. So I think that's what's getting set up here. Although not very successfully, because Christina's like, we're not dating. I don't know. I'm just trying to bring purpose to this little segment. And I don't know if there is a purpose to it. Anyway, Uriah's not long for this world. So then Christina changes the subject and she's like, well, what have you been up to lately? Like, I I don't know where you and four go. Are you guys rooting in the cupboard or something? She's like, oh, you know, maybe a little bit, but um, he's actually been really preoccupied with the whole genetic damage thing. And Christina's like, oh, you're that. Christina's like, yeah, I guess no one likes to be told that there's something wrong with them, especially with their genes, which they can't change. And Teresa's like, well, but you don't really think there's something wrong with you, right? Because Christina's also genetically damaged. And Christina's like, well, because she's Candor. She was raised in Candor. She's no longer Candor, but she still has all the traits of Candor, even though she left that faction because she didn't belong in that faction. Anyway, so she's effectively a Candor. She says, well, based on the evidence, the GD behavior was worse than the GP behavior. And Tris is like, well, that could be nurture over nature. She tries to get into that debate. Christina just says, I don't really know why I'm arguing with you right now. I just don't get how like a bunch of scientists, like these people at the bureau, could be wrong. She's like, of course, scientists could figure out the cause of bad behavior. She just takes that as a given. Although I thought like Candor were meant to be like truth hunters. To just accept the first fact that you're told because it's from a scientist seems a bit naive, don't you think? And Triss is like, well, I just don't believe in genetic damage, which it's okay. Very easy for you to say from your high horse of genetic purity. And Christina says, you're talking like a stiff and I'm talking like a Candor. Guess we can't escape our factions. (laughs) Ha ha ha. And Triss is like, well, maybe we shouldn't be escaping them. Like, well, you actually did escape those two factions though. Like I get your allegiance, allegiance, get it, to the faction system, but you left abnegation. She left candor. You guys should not be going on and on about your candor and stiff values. So then Tobias walks in. She says he looks pale and exhausted. His hair is pushed up on one side from lying on his pillow and he's still wearing what he wore yesterday. He's been sleeping in his clothes since we came to the bureau. And okay, uh, he stinks, right? 
that's what I'm getting from that. Like it's been told to us a few times now that he sleeps in his clothes and he's clearly not changing them day to day. So I think he stinks. So Christina's like, okay, I'm gonna bounce. You guys have some alone time. And here's where Tobias says, look, about last night, I snuck out. Well, actually he does present the information in probably the worst way possible. Like it's not how I would have done it. He says, Tris, there's something I wanna talk to you about. So immediately she's like, oh shit. (laughs) She's like, oh no, she feels a spike of fear in her chest. And then he says, I want to ask you to promise to not get mad. And then he says, but, and she's like, yeah, but you know, I don't make stupid promises. And he's like, oh God, here we go. He's really fumbled the ball. Like I would have just come right out with it. And then he says, okay, well, Nita left a note under my pillow telling me to meet her last night. And I did. Like, why are you emphasizing the worst part of it? Oh, a pretty girl invited me out and I I went with her. Like, I'd be like, oh, hey, Tris. So went to the fringe last night. Um, I, I found out what the Bureau's really getting up to. I found out some, some tea about the genetically damaged people. And I went with Nita. Like, that's how I'd present it. And she'd be like, oh, wow. Like, or, or I'd sandwich it. You know, I'd be like, wow, I went to the fringe last night with Nita. And I found out some huge, big drama that's been going on with the, with the fringe and the government of the genetically damaged people and the experiments and truth serums and crap like that. And she'd be like, oh my God. And not even register the thing in the middle. Like, I mean, she probably would, but you you know, you can de-emphasize things when you present things, you know? Anyway, so she's immediately angry because she's just laser focused on the Nita thing because he hasn't said anything else. So she's like, oh, a pretty girl asked you to meet her late at night and you go, and then you want me to not get mad about it? And he's like, yes, bitch, because it's not about that, even though he presented it wrong. He says, it's actually about genetic damage. She's got a plan to take the Bureau out of power to make GDs more equal. I went to the fringe, blah, blah, blah. So he catches her up. And Tris is feeling suspicious of Nita. She's like, I don't know what it is about Nita. It might be like my uncontrollable jealousy, but I don't trust her. And yeah, I think it's the uncontrollable jealousy. But also at this stage of your life, Tris, you should not be trusting anybody ever. You've been lied to constantly. How many times have you signed up to be a part of a rebel group and then found out that they have the opposite aims of what you actually thought they had? You're right to be suspicious, but maybe don't be suspicious just because she's pretty. And Tobias says, I'm meeting up with her again tonight. I want you to come. He's like, Nita might not be okay with it, but she'll have to deal if she wants my help. And so Triss's immediate reaction is, I don't want to spend time with Nita and Tobias together, knowing that her supposed genetic damage gives her something in common with him that I will never have. Like, oh my God, relax. I think you've got a lot more in common with Tobias than you do with this Nita chick. You were both raised in abnegation. You both transferred to Dauntless. You've been banging for months. You've been through a lot. He almost tried to kill you under a serum. You almost killed him when he was under the serum. Your mum had a secret double life. His mum had a secret double life. You've been in each other's fear serums. Like, I think you're good. I don't think you need to be jealous of Nita. Just happening to have the same genetic makeup as four. Like, relax. Not even the same genetic makeup. Just, they're both technically, allegedly genetically damaged. That's not so unique to be worried about them having something that you don't. I'm pretty sure like maybe at least half or the majority of the population are genetically damaged. I'm not sure of the stats, but it is like stressing that your boyfriend's hanging out with someone who also has brown hair. 
Cetris is like, fine, I'll go. But don't for a second think that I actually believe she's not interested in you for more than your genetic code. So yeah, Veronica Roth's really trying to push a love triangle here that I don't think exists. And then they kiss, but uh, her unease doesn't completely disappear. So then we go to chapter 25 with Tobias as the POV. And he says, Triss and I meet Nita in the hotel lobby after midnight. And when Nita sees Triss coming, she's like, oh, geez, you brought the old ball and chain. That ruins my nefarious plan to hook up with you. And Nita says, you said you wouldn't tell her what happened to protecting her. And he's just like, eh, change my mind. And Triss is like, oh, you told him that that would be protecting me. That's a pretty skillful manipulation. Well done. So she's getting all sarcastic, but she is right. I do think Nita was being manipulative because that logic was so crazy. Like to protect her and preserve her free will, you have to take a choice away from her. I'm <laughs> like, uh, okay, Dal. And I don't know how Four fell for that, honestly. And even he's like, oh yeah, I was being manipulated. He's like, oh, damn it, Triss is right. She got me there. And Nita's like, oh my God, you guys, it wasn't manipulation. It was the truth, but whatever. I'm rolling with the punches. I'd rather have both of you than neither of you. So let's go. So then they go down to the labs. They go past the gene therapy room where she saw the map of her genetic code, blah, blah, blah. And they go further into the heart of the compound than Triss has even been yet. She says it's dark and grim back here and clumps of dust dance over the floor when we walk past. Okay. So it's Yeah, somewhere that people don't go very often. So then they go into a storage room, which also has like a lab table with a computer and a microscope on it. And there's this other guy, a young man with slicked back, blonde hair. And Nita says, oh, this is my friend Reggie. He's also a GD. And Reggie starts showing them some slides on the computer screen. So she says slides. I don't know if that means it's like a PowerPoint presentation. Not too sure. So he starts showing them pictures of, I don't know, like prisoners of war, Children in like poverty bodies filled up in ditches, burning papers. And then he also shows them some weapons and they're like old school weapons as in, I don't know, ancient guns or some shit. So she's like, oh, wow, this must be a long time ago because I don't recognize the machinery. And Reggie says, yeah, these guns are old. The guns were used in the purity war were much more advanced. So yeah, it's a long time ago. I I don't really care. But his point is, Because it's from such a really old conflict, it must have been waged by genetically pure people since genetic manipulation didn't exist back then. And so Tress is like, how do you hide a war? Even though she just came from a city that hid planes, you know, like she she didn't have any concept of planes or ads or like Diet Coke. And now she's like, how do you hide a war? Even though everything has been hidden from her. Anyway, so Nita just says, people are isolated, they're starving, they only know what they're taught. They only see the information that's made available to them. And that's all controlled by the government. And Triss is like, okay, I'm up to speed. But she says that doesn't mean they're the enemy though. Even if they're lying about wars. She says it just means they're a group of grossly misinformed people trying to better the world in an ill-advised way. And Nita's like, no, they're not, babe. They're actually hurting people. So then Nita explains. She says, when the abnegation wanted to reveal the great truth of their world sooner than they were supposed to, and Janine wanted to stifle them, the Bureau was all too happy to provide her with an incredibly advanced simulation serum, the attack simulation that enslaved the minds of the Dauntless and resulted in the destruction of the abnegation. What the fuck? So the Bureau have set up this citywide experiment to create divergent slash GP people, and yet they were also behind the attack 
on abnegation, siding with the erudite who were killing genetically pure divergent people. Why would they do that? Why would they organize an attack on the fifth of their sample size in their experiment? And Four says, nah, that can't be right. Janine told me that the highest proportion of divergent people were actually in abnegation. And Tris pipes up and she's like, Janine was wrong. The highest proportion of divergent people was actually in the factionless, not the abnegation. And it's like, does it really matter? There would have still been divergent people in abnegation that were murdered. And Four, he's like, yeah, I don't see why they would risk that many divergent people. Like, I'm going to need some more receipts, babe. And Nita says, well, that's just what you're going to get. She says, it took me a long time to get clearance to go in here, even longer to acquire the knowledge to understand what I saw. I had help from one of the GPs, a sympathizer. Okay, so someone on the GP team has been secretly helping Nita on the GD team. So then she pulls out a vial of orange liquid and it's the simulation formula serum that they shot up all the Dauntless with for the attack on abnegation. Four notices it. He says, oh, it's orange, which is the same as the one Max shot me up with before I lost my mind and killed people. And I don't think just like the color of the serum matching, like is the receipt Nita thinks it is. But then Nita says, well, let's study the serum. So she puts it under the microscope linked to the computer program. And she says, this is a program called MicroScan. It, it scans serums and breaks down like the code. Okay, I mean, this could all be faked. I don't know what proof is actually here. But okay, so the microscan pulls up this data and it says simulation serum version 4.2 coordinates a large number of targets, transmits signals over long distances, hallucinogen from original formula not included. Simulated reality is predetermined by program master. And Four's like, well, that's the attack simulation serum. That's, (laughs) That's all the receipt I need. I think we're putting a lot of trust in Nita and Reggie to not be rigging this micro scan, but okay. And then Nita says, why would the Bureau have this unless they developed it? They were the ones who put serums into the experiments, but they usually left the serums alone, let the city residents develop them further. If Janine was the one who developed it, they wouldn't have stolen it from her. If it's here, it's because they made it. I don't know if that's true. I mean, we knew that Triss's mum was going in and out of the city and heading back to the airport. They've left the city and gone to the airport. A vial of serum could have made its way to the airport as well. It's not that ridiculous, but she says that's exact proof that the Bureau gave the attack simulation serum to Janine. So the Bureau are evil is basically what she's getting at. And Triss is like, oh my God, why would they do such a thing? And Nita says, abnegation was about to reveal the truth to everyone inside the city. She says, telling the truth risks the safety of the experiment. No question. Even though they sent that video to the abnegation, they, they propped up a GoPro, filmed Edith Pryor, filming a little confessional, and then they sent that into the city, giving them the power to release it at will if they wanted to. So I don't know why they would do that and then go and kill everyone if they were suggesting that they were going to release the video that was provided to them. And also Tris then aired the video and no one tried to stop her. So I, this just doesn't make sense. And so Nita says, so a few months ago when the abnegation were on the verge of causing that destruction and instability by revealing Edith Pryor's video to the city, the Bureau thought it would be better that the abnegation should suffer a great loss, even at the expense of several divergent, than the whole city suffer a great loss. Better to end the lives of the abnegation than to risk the experiment. So they reached out to someone they knew who would agree with them. 
and that was Janine Matthews. Ah, uh, that's not all adding up to me, Nita. My bullshit radar is going ding, 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 ding. But Four's convinced. He's like, well, that explains everything. And Nita says, yep, that's the problem with their blind commitment to these experiments. They value the experiments above GD lives and things might even get worse. She says the government has been threatening to shut down the experiments for almost a year now. Okay, then do it. (laughs) Who is this government? She keeps saying like, oh, the government. And I'm like, okay, specifically, like what government are we talking? She says the experiments keep falling apart because the communities can't live in peace. And David keeps finding ways to restore peace just in the nick of time. If anything else goes wrong in Chicago, he can do it again. He can just reset the experiments at any time. She's referring to the Amity Mind Reset Serum. I'm not sure if that's a specific one to the Chicago experiment that only David has a hold of. I don't know. Reggie chimes in. Reggie says with the Abnegation Memory Serum. Oh, I thought it was Amity Memory Serum. Abnegation have the serum, but they lease it out to Amity for their use. But Abnegation controller, I don't fucking know. He says with the Abnegation Memory Serum. Well, really, it's the Bureau's Memory Serum. Okay, so it's the Bureau's Memory Serum that they lease out to the Abnegation who lease out to Amity. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmagle. 
and wipe everybody's memory or kill a fifth of the population. I don't know, I guess I'd wipe everyone's memory. Sue me. Nita's whole point is that no one should have that power. And she's convinced Four completely. He says, I don't care what Nita's plan is, as long as it means striking the Bureau as hard as we can. And Triss is also like, what's the plan? So they're both on board. Even though she's been talking nonsense at us, with Reggie piping in every now and then, they're on board. So she says she's gonna let her friends from the fringe in through the underground tunnel. So Rafi and Mary, the generously framed woman, like, are we really that terrified of Rafi and Mary? Surely there must be some, some more backup than that. Oh, and their soft-spoken security guard. Like, come on. Where are the actual fighters in this rebellion? Like, oh, I'm pretty sure the Bureau can take down Rafi and Mary. Then she says, Rafi, Mary, and I will break into the weapons lab while Tobias shuts off the security system because he knows how to do that from his time in the Dauntless control room. They will then steal the memory serum so the Bureau can't use it even though I assume they can just create more serum, but no, I guess Nita hasn't thought of that. And Force says, well, what are you going to do with a bunch of memory serum? And she's like, destroy it, <laughs> which I don't believe for a second. And Triss also does not believe it. She's like, oh really? That's all you intend to do? You hate the Bureau so much. And yet that's all you're going to do. Just steal some serum. And I think they're just going to be stealing the memory serum, not the serum that is the attack simulation serum. Like, why not just steal all their serum? So Triss is like, yeah, I don't believe that's all you're gonna do, doll. You hate these people. I can tell by the way you talk about them. And I think that's quite obvious because Nita's pretty much been like, I hate them. And Triss is like, I suspect you hate them. She says, yeah, whatever you intend to do, I think it's far worse than stealing some serum actually. And Nita says, I don't give a shit what you think. She says, the memory serum is what they use to keep the experiments running, even though, they they don't. She just admitted they could have used the memory serum and yet they chose to have the genocide of the abnegation people with the attack simulation serum. So I don't know if it is what they use to keep the experiments running, Dal. Like, I don't even think they'll notice if you steal them. I don't think they will give two shits. But Nita's like, that's a hard enough blow for them. Oh, that'll really get stuck in their craw. And Tress is like, you're fucking lying to me, whatever. But four, he's convinced. He says, yep, I'm in. I'll disable the security system. And I'll also need some Amity P serum as well. Do you have access to that? And she's like, of course I do. I've got access to all the serums. And it's like, okay, her plan is to disable the security controls, open up the tunnel, get her little fringe friends in through the tunnel. Then they all go to the weapon room and they take the serum. Why do the fringe friends need to be involved at all? If you've already got Reggie in the control room and Tobias in the control room opening up the tunnel and shutting down the security system, can she not just go into the weapon room and just take the serum? Why does Rafi and Mary need to be involved? The fact that these like rebels on the outside with weapons are going to be coming in through the tunnel, like that leads me to believe they're going to be doing more than just stealing the serum. Like that's just so fucking obvious. And you'd think Thor would have clocked that since his whole background is in defense and security and leading rebellions and fighting rebellions. But no, no, he's been blinded by the genetically damaged rhetoric. So then Reggie and Nita leave and Triss is like, um, she's lying. You see that, right? And he's like, nah, she's not. He says, I can tell when someone's lying just as well as you can. Why are you you both in candor now? And he says, in this situation, I think your judgment might be clouded by something else. Something like jealousy. Oh, the love triangle again. Have you ever seen a more forced love triangle? 
This is like season eight or nine of Friends when they tried to make Joey and Rachel get together. They tried to force a little love quadrangle there and like, I think the audience were like, uh, no thanks. That's the vibe I'm getting from this Nita. I don't think anyone's really buying into the fact that Four might be attracted to Nita and might, I don't know, cheat on Triss. Like that's never gonna happen. And Triss is like, I'm not jealous. I'm just being smart. She has something bigger planned, which yeah, she clearly does. Four's whole argument is like, well, don't you want to do something like these people murdered your parents? And she's like, yeah, I want to do something, but that doesn't mean I have to jump on board with the first plan I hear, which is really smart from Triss. She's not always smart, but at this point in time, I think she's actually being quite reasonable and she's thinking shit through and not like jumping at the first opportunity to act. I I appreciate that. But then it turns into a fight because Triss is like, uh, I'm pretty good with snap judgments. Remember Edith Pryor's video? I was right about that. I was right about Evelyn, AKA your mama. I was right about this and this and this. And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, were you right when you went on that death march to Erudite in the middle of the night? Or were you right about Peter? Or were you right about going into dangerous situations without weapons because you had PTSD for firing a gun because you killed that guy? And she says, don't throw those things in my face. Even though she was just throwing things in his face. I think her saying, I was right about Evelyn and you weren't is a, is a bit of a cheap shot considering that's his mum. So she threw that in his face and then he threw things back in her face. And she says, don't throw things in my face. It's like, well, bitch, you started throwing things in his face. And I mean, she doubles down on it. She says, I never said I was perfect, but you, you can't even see past your own desperation. You went along with Evelyn because you were desperate for a parent, low blow. And now you're going along with this because you're desperate not to be damaged. And he doesn't like being called damaged. And he's like, I'm not damaged. And I don't need your permission. So they're fighting. And he starts to walk out. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, you want the last word, hey? You're leaving just so you can get the last word. That's real mature. And he says, so is being suspicious of someone's motives just because she's pretty. I guess we're even. And then he leaves. And that's the end of the chapter. The girls are fighting. So then we go to chapter 26. It's a Triss POV. And she's, I guess, still in that little lab room. And she's looking at the orange serum through the microscope. And she says, I was so busy looking for Nita's lies that I barely registered the truth. In order to get their hands on this serum, the Bureau must have developed it and somehow delivered it to Janine to use. Was that not all just explained to her so clearly last chapter? I do think it was. She's just admitting she was so focused on calling out Nita on a bullshit. She didn't even hear that. And we know, because we were in his POV, that Four heard that. And that's why he was so fired up. And I see now why they were arguing, because she didn't hear half of the information that Four heard. (laughs) And she thinks she's now coming to a realization. She's like, oh, I get it. Uh, the The Bureau must have developed this. I wonder if she's like, I better go tell Four. Like, Four knows. Four listened. He used his ears. And you'd think if the Bureau are working with Janine, that should be like an automatic assumption that the Bureau are evil because Janine was evil. And so now she's starting to think, huh, maybe the Bureau are killers. (laughs) So she's like, oh, I can't handle this. She needs some space. So she says, I clutch my ID in my hand and half walk, half run past the security barrier to the water sculpture. I guess that's her place of solace now, that water sculpture. I didn't realize she had ID, so I guess she's, Got a, a passport now to be walking around the bureau. Who knows? Oh, it is an airport. You can't be in an airport without ID, I guess. So she stands watching that stupid water sculpture. And then she sees her brother standing nearby. And he's like, uh, are you okay? And she's like, nah. She's quite the wordsmith. She just says, nah. And he goes, okay, well, what, what's wrong? 
And she goes, well, let me put it this way. I just found out you're not the worst person I know. So, okay. So she still hates her brother. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, wh- What's he meant to say to that? I know Caleb's a weak little piece of shit, but uh, I know I, I know I shouldn't say get over it, Tris, because he did effectively lead to her execution, but get over it. Have you ever heard the expression, we've got bigger fish to fry? I mean, maybe she hasn't heard that because the lake's been dried up, actually. Maybe, maybe she doesn't know what a fish is. Um, have they ever eaten fish? I don't know if they have, but there's bigger fish to fry, doll. So then I don't know what Caleb's thinking, but he thinks to be comforting. He says, you know what mum told me once? That everyone has some evil inside them. And the first step to loving anyone is to recognize the evil in ourselves. So we're able to forgive him. And she's like, what the fuck? She's like, no. She's like, do you think I'm going to forgive you because of that, Caleb? Like, nah. She says, I may have done bad things, Caleb, but I would never deliver you to your own execution. And he's like, oh, there was extenuating circumstances. You know how persuasive Janine can be. And she's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Don't be pulling that one with me. And well, actually she doesn't use her words. She just punches him in the face. She says, all I can think about is how the erudite stripped me of my watch and my shoes and led me to the bare table where they would take my life. A table that Caleb may as well have set up himself. I think it's important to note that he didn't. I can't quite remember all the specifics, but I, I, I know one, she didn't end up dying. And two, like I don't think Caleb strapped her down. But anyway, she's beating the shit out of him. She's punching his face. She's thinking she's going to kill him. And then finally, like a guard who's, I don't know, just walking past, pulls her off him. And so then she just walks away. So I, no repercussions to that assault that just happened. She just walks away. Then we cut to, it's the next day. I think she's hanging out in that lab with Matthew, who was the guy that did the genetic mapping on her and Tobias and told Tobias that he was genetically damaged and not divergent. You know, he really could have kept it to himself, I'm starting to think, because a lot of troubles have sprung from that revelation. So this Matthew guy is a bit of a shit stirrer. So she's sitting in a seat and she's looking at her knuckles and they're all split from when she punched Caleb repeatedly. She says, a few of them are split from punching Caleb and dotted with faint bruises. It seems fitting that the blow would leave a mark on both of us. That's how the world works. It's like, okay, you punched him. I don't know if I'd be trying to like philosophize that. Like you punched him. End of story. It's not like, oh, that's how the world works. We both walked away with a mark. Like punched his face. I think he looks a lot worse than your knuckles do. She says, after that incident, she went back to the dormitory. Tobias wasn't there. She was too angry to sleep. So she was just thinking about how she's not going to participate in Nita's plan, but she's also not going to stop it. Anyway, so Matthew's prattling on about some genetic science crap. And she says she's having trouble paying attention, but we do get a snippet of the dialogue. And I don't know if we just get that because it's important later. Like, let's have a read. He's saying, Something, something, genetic analysis, something, something. We're developing a way to make the memory compound behave as a virus with the same rapid replication, the same ability to spread through the air. And then we developed a vaccination for it, just a temporary one, only lasts for 48 hours, but still, blah, blah, blah. It's a better model for having the option to select particular members of a population to opt out. You inoculate them. The virus spreads within 24 hours and it has no effect on him. And she's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So clearly that's going to happen later, right? Because that is just so weirdly specific to just slot into a random conversation that she's half listening to. Either like a big virus is going to be spread airborne and we're going to be worried that people are going to die, but they've been secretly inoculated or they're going to inoculate themselves. There's going to be some inoculating happening. That's my theory. Because that was just so random. It must mean something down the line. 
And then after chatting about all that important stuff, Matthew says, oh, by the way, I heard um, security had to pull you off from punching your brother last night. Like, why did that not come up earlier, Matt? And she's like, yeah, I was pretty wired to explode. He just got in the way, which, okay, you sound like a psycho. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And she says, well, actually, look, I heard something yesterday about the Bureau, about my city and the simulations. And she's thinking like, I don't know if I should trust him or not, but oh well. And she just tells him all of this. Like I'd be keeping that shit to my chest because I think he's a GP. So I wouldn't be telling the GP who works for the Bureau that I don't trust the Bureau. Especially because this is the guy that did genetic mapping on you and told you you were a GP and your boyfriend was a GD and stirred up all this drama. And he's like, um, how did you, how did you hear that? Did you hear that from Nita? And Triss is like, yeah, I did actually. So like just throw a Nita under the bus. Like, have you ever heard of discretion, Triss? But okay, turns out Matthew is the secret GP informant. He says, yeah, sometimes I actually let her into that room. I've helped her out a few times. And she's like, oh, whoa, Matthew, he's the informant. She stares at him. She says, I never thought that Matthew, who went out of his way to show me the difference between my pure genes and Tobias's damaged genes might be helping Nita. So then why were you just like exposing her to him just a few seconds earlier if you never suspected that he might be on your side or Nita's side, I should say. I feel like Triss is usually more closed-lipped than that. So again, this is another like character trait reversal. If it services the plot, people just behave completely differently than they've behaved for the past three books. And so then she says, oh yeah, Nita's um, got a plan, something about a plans in the works. And so then he's like, oh my God, it's happening. What, when's it gonna happen? And she's like, so are you helping Nita? What's going on? Why, why are you helping Nita? And he says, because all this genetic damage nonsense is ridiculous. Okay, if you think it's so ridiculous, why did you just wander up to Tobias and Triss and just say, oh, hey, just for my own personal research, can I do some genetic mapping for you? And then when you did that, why'd you then say, oh, for you're actually genetically damaged. Oh, Triss, you're actually genetically pure. Why did he do all this if he thinks it's nonsense? It makes me think that that was a setup. I don't know what his goal is or what he's getting at, but it's weird that if he thinks it's all bullshit, he would approach for and do his genetic modeling. Maybe four really is divergent. I can't trust anyone. And again, I don't know if it's because the characters themselves are dodgy or they're just so inconsistently written. It's, it's really hard. But then Matthew's like, oh shit, something bad's gonna happen. Nothing good can come of this. He says, I was helping Nita until she told me what she and those fringe people wanted to do. They wanna get to the weapons lab and Tris cuts him off. She's like, yeah, I know. And get the memory serum. And I think it's rude to cut him off being like, yeah, I already know this when clearly he's talking about something else. And he says, uh, no. They don't want the memory serum. They want the death serum. Oh God, death serum. Oh, so many fucking serums. How do they all keep track? I hope they're well labeled in that weapons lab. You wouldn't want to accidentally grab the death serum when you're aiming for the memory serum or the happiness serum or the truth serum or the fear serum. He says they're going to use it for assassinations. A lot of them. They're going to set off an aerosol can and okay, yep, easy. You give it to the right people and you have an explosion of anarchy and violence, which is exactly what those fringe people want. And she's like, ah, I get it now. And Matthew says, I thought I was helping her with something smarter. If I'd known, I wouldn't have helped her at all. We have to do something about this. And Tris says, I told him, I told him she was lying. And Matthew's like, are you talking to yourself, darling? Are you talking to me? Like, who, who who are you referring to? 
So Matthew's like, all right, let's go to David's office and let him know. So they start walking to David's office. We're in a bit of a hurry. We're walking, walking, walking. We go past the water statue, the sculpture, and Uriah's admiring it. And she's like, oh, hi, Uriah. And he looks at her and he waves and he smiles, but then there's an explosion. And I think, yeah, Uriah dies. She says, I'm just passing the security checkpoint when I see the wall next to Uriah explode. It's like fire blossoming from a bud. Shards of glass and metal are spraying everywhere and Uriah's body is among them a limp projectile. So yeah, he did. He did. She still does that thing where she like runs toward him because I think whenever she sees anyone die, she's got to like go up and I don't know, double check. And it's like, he, he was just in the middle of an explosion. Like he's dead. I don't understand Triss's thought process. And even Matthew's like, what are you doing? Why are you running towards the explosion? He grabs her shoulder to stop her and she just shakes him off and starts running towards Uriah's dead body or well, whatever pieces of it are left. And he says again, he says, we shouldn't be going to the explosion site. Whoever set it off is already in the building. Let's go to the weapons labs. I love how cool, calm, collected Matthew is. It makes me think Triss wasn't that close to the explosion because she's not described her ears as ringing. She's not confused or confounded. I think Uriah and the water sculpture must have been far away. And I hope the water sculpture's fine. Oh, if it turns out that that's actually been destroyed as well, I'll be devastated. So then she's like, okay, all right, Matthew might have a point. I might need to ditch Uriah and go to the weapons lab. She says, the weapons lab, holy words. Don't know what that means. Is that a a religious site? The weapons lab, holy words. I don't get it. Anyway, so she says, my body is straining towards Uriah, but I know there's nothing I can do for him now. The more important thing for me to do is to use my knowledge of chaos, <laughs> the knowledge of chaos, to keep Nita and her friends from stealing the death serum. So she's like, all right, to the weapons lab, holy words. She's making a pilgrimage to the weapons lab. And I think Matthew would already run that way. He's like, I, I gotta ditch this crazy bitch. And so she's chasing after Matthew. She catches up to him and he's like, uh, are you okay? And she does have a little cut on her forehead. So, okay, she was close enough to the explosion to be hurt a little bit. Good to know. I'm glad I'm picking that all up with context clues. And there's some guards lying dead on the floor. So she pillages their guns. And she's like, wow, this is a new looking gun. I guess they give old looking guns to them in the city experiments, but not as old as the ones that were in the photos of the old war. She hands one to Matthew and he's like, I don't know how to shoot it. And she's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll take it. And she's not got the same PTSD effect with this gun because it looks different to the gun she shot Will with. So she's like, yeah, I can handle shooting this gun. So, okay, so she can shoot a gun now. Problem solved. So then they get to David's office, but the doors aren't there. They've been blown wide open. And so she can see into the office, there's three people in black wearing heavy clothing and carry guns so big, she's not sure she'd be able to lift one. So I don't know, they're bazookas or something. And she says their faces are covered with dark fabric, disguising all but their eyes. And on his knees before the doors is David, a gun barrel pressed to his temple. And standing among the invaders, wearing the same mask as the others, is a girl with a dark ponytail, Nita. And that's the end of the chapter. Like, okay. Was that a reveal? Was that a cliffhanger reveal? Like, I assumed Nita was amongst them. I assumed Nita and Kathy, the buxom blonde from the fringe or whatever the fuck her name was, Mary, the generously framed woman. I was assuming that they'd be involved, but she's like, oh my God, it's Nita. Like, uh, yeah, Nita just said she was planning something. Yeah, she lied about the extent of it, but we knew that would be Nita. We'd done been knew that. Anyway, at least something's happened. Even if it was like 
random in the middle of the chapter while she's looking at a water sculpture and waving at Uriah. Like at least something's happened. So let's pick things up again next week. In the meantime, let me know your thoughts and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.